0: Alright. <clears throat> Alright, so this morning I'm just going to repeat what I just said. Uh, the Holy Spirit wants all of your heart. All of your heart. The scripture says that God is an all consuming fire. Forgive me for not having the scripture reference right now. Uh, I just don't have my phone because it's recording. And I would normally Google these things at like the last minute. This is what I feel like the Holy Spirit is teaching me this morning. Holy Spirit wants all of your heart. God is an all-consuming fire. Um, when you look at the story of the burning bush of Moses, the thing that was peculiar about it was that it was burning, but it was not consumed. And this is the paradox of the gospel. You know, this, this is what trips people up when you say the last will be first. When you say things like he who seeks to find his life will be lose it, you know, the same thing happens when it talks about in Luke chapter, I believe 14, hate your mother, your father, your brothers and sisters, your children, even your own life, for you cannot be my disciple. He says, I declare, if you can't renounce all that you have, you cannot be my disciple. This is the paradox. When God tells you, sell all that you have and follow me. Holy Spirit wants all of your heart. The Father wants everything. He wants all. He wants all of it. It's the same concept of and therefore one day he will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two will become one flesh. It's when you leave and you cleave. Leave and you cleave. This is the gospel, man. This is this is how someone becomes a Christian. And it's not just when you become a Christian, it becomes every day of your life. Every single day of your life there's something in your heart you need to ask God, you know. We just read about this yesterday, um, talking about how he says, Judge. When you judge others, be careful how you judge, lest you be judged back. And it says, For how can you help your brother see the speck in his eye when you have a log in your own, Right? Now, it doesn't say you're not supposed to judge. It says, be careful how you judge. lest you be judged in the same measure that you judge. And here's the deal, man. Even in that place, you know, it says, but first remove the speck in your eye so that you can see clearly to remove I'm sorry it says remove the log in your eye so you can see clearly remove the speck in your brother's eye now this, this let's say he says log but check this out dude. when I look at you I see this little speck in your eye if I was really paying attention, even if I had a little speck in my eye, have you ever taken, have you ever taken, watches? look at your finger back here, and look at your finger right here. Put your finger here, you can't see anything. It's the same size back here as it's here. To you, it's bigger. This is right front of you. Make sense? I really believe that that log, that log's actually a speck too. But it's blocking your whole vision because it's speck right here versus a speck out there. You know? spec speck right here, man, covers your whole vision. Of, it's a log to you. It's so much bigger than your brother's speck if you would pay attention. You see what I'm saying? But it doesn't say you're not supposed to judge. It says you're supposed to judge yourself first. Once you judge yourself first, then you'll see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. It's actually not love if I don't talk about my brother's speck and help him remove it. It's actually hate. And there's so much there. I could do a whole other Bible study just on that passage, so I'm not going to do that right now. There's so much in that passage. We just talked about it the other day, probably for an hour. Let's, Let's get past this. My point is, we're supposed to be judging ourselves first paradox of the gospel, the burning bush that was not consumed. When you follow Jesus, you lose everything. We have a joke over here in the barracks. It doesn't cost you anything, it just costs you everything. (laughs) Right? it doesn't cost no money. (laughs) It just costs you your whole life. (laughs) Right? You know? It costs you everything. You lose everything, but scripture tells stories. Jesus tells the story. He tells the story of how a man went into a field and found a treasure there. He found this treasure in the field. And it says, when he found his treasure in the field, he went home and sold all of his possessions. so that he could buy that field just for the treasure that was in it. See, this is the gospel. Your life, it costs you everything to follow Jesus. But the trade-out, when you trade your life for His... It's not a fair trade. (laughs) Your life is nothing worth compared to His. His life is this treasure in a field that you sold all that you had for. This is the all-consuming fire. God is an all-consuming fire. He wants to consume you. He wants to consume you. And it first starts with your heart. I'll write that down. God wants to consume you. He wants to consume you. God wants to consume you. <clears throat> he wants to burn it all away. That's why that's what Jesus uh, the, John the Baptist said, Jesus comes Or he didn't say Jesus. He says, there's one that comes after me. He says, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and in fire. And I believe there's some pretty cool supernatural experiences with this, but I believe that it mostly has to do with the purification process this mostly has to do with the purification process. Where your impurities are burned away. Your impurities are burned away. This is all consuming fire, but you're not consumed. That's why Jesus says, He who follows me, though he die... He will live. It's all consuming fire. God wants to set you on fire. And if you're bought by the blood of Jesus, you'll never be consumed. You will never see destruction. You see uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were worshipping God uh, back in the Babylonian times. And the Babylonian king says, I'm going to make this big old... um, idol. And everybody's going to have to worship it. if you don't bow down and worship it, you're going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. I might be misspelling that. The fiery furnace. I think they, he made it like seven times hotter. And the guards, when they didn't bow down and worship him, check this out. He said, we will not worship your God. He said, well, you're going to die. And they're like, uh, we're so confident in our God and His legitimateness. <laughs> our God's legit. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the street version of uh, the KJV. Um, they're like, dude, we don't care if you throw us in there. Our God will save us. And then he said, then they, you can throw us in a fire and our God will save us. Can you imagine that? Throw us in that fire. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> <laughs> the will save us, and then it says, and even if he doesn't, we still will not bow. So they were thrown into the fire, and the guards were taking him is so hot. It says that they, that when they, when the fire, when the, the guards threw them in the fire, the hot, the fire was so hard, hot, before they even got to the furnace, that the guards dropped dead. Had a slight interruption, got called, messed up my video. Now we're on airplane mode, so we're all right. So I was saying that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, even if you throw us in the fire, we will not serve serve your God. And then it says that the the guards threw them in the fire, and in the process of throwing them in the fire, that they died. So check this out. They go in the fire... And their bonds burn off and they're walking around in a fire and they're like all the people that were were, you know Nebuchadnezzar he's like who's that who's that in there with them didn't we throw three guys in there now there's four And the fourth one has an appearance like that of the Son of, the Son of God. Or Son of Man, I can't remember what it says. Like, like the Son of God. Like he looks like an angel. Like there's an angel in there. Like he's a, anyway, some people want to go as far as to say that was Jesus in there. You have to keep in mind they didn't know about Jesus back then they just when they said son of God they were meaning angel all right check this out so when when they're in the fire then they come out right I wonder how that went down like okay uh, they're walking around in the fire and the guys are like, well, uh, you've been in there long enough, I guess you can come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I uh. <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> I wonder how that happened. Did they just say. I don't know. I, it's just, I don't know. That'd be so weird. I mean, maybe they turned down the burn. I don't know. Alright, so. It says that their bonds were burned off. It's so awesome. Oh my gosh, it's so awesome. Lord, you're so good. Dude, when. When we enter. Listen, you're destined for fire, man. Either you're destined for the fire of hell, or you're destined for the fire of the Holy Spirit. You're destined for fire, man. Watch this. When you enter the fire of Of devotion. The only thing, the only thing that is burned up are your ropes of bondage. (laughs) And guess what? Sometimes you're gonna go through this fire of devotion in many forms. First of all, the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit is another, um, watch this, the Holy Spirit is another symbol for anointing. I, Isaiah 61 says, I've been anointed with the Holy Spirit. Oil was represent of the Holy Spirit. And you anoint somebody, okay? And it says, I have come, watch this. To break the bonds and break the yoke of bondage. The Holy Spirit, when he anoints you, this is so awesome. Holy Spirit is 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 uh, the Holy Spirit anoints you and sets you apart so you can go set others free. The Holy Spirit also, the, the anointing of God, will literally break bondage. Why? The Holy Spirit's the fire. And the fire burns away the ropes of bondage. This is so awesome. This is so cool. This is new. Thank you, Jesus. I never preached this before. This is awesome. The fire of devotion. Listen, sometimes that fire of devotion is straight from God. Like, it's in your heart. You'll burn these things away in your heart. He's like this fire that consumes this bush, and it just burns away the impurities. But it won't burn the bush. Listen, when you submit to God, it's going to burn. I'll bet they were hot, you know, but it says not one hair of their head was singed. And then when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. (laughs) Dude, this is so awesome. Burned up. The only thing that's burned up are your ropes of bondage. Listen, this is powerful. Sometimes that fire devotion is straight up from the devil. You know, the Bible talks about blessed are you. And it says, rejoice when you encounter trials of many kinds. For we know that the testing of your faith pr- pr- produces patience. Patience. <laughs> Long-suffering, that's what that means. (laughs) And it says... Oh, it's so good. And then it says that it develops character. It develops character. What we're talking about right now is the Holy Spirit wants all of your heart. You're going through trials, okay, straight up from the devil, because you know why? The devil doesn't want you worshiping God. So he says, listen, if you keep worshiping God... I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And you have to make up your mind. You know what? God will deliver me. And you know what? Even if he doesn't, I still will not bow. Look, God didn't throw them into the fiery furnace. It's not like God whispered in Nebuchadnezzar's ear, Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, see my boys over there? Those guys are awesome. Hey, throw them in the fire for me. He didn't do that. No, there was another power. And that was the devil. Another power who, who creates false gods. False gods. And he wants you to worship these false gods. False gods. Lovers of pleasure. You know, worshiping self. You know? He wants you to worship these false gods. And if you are focused on and devoted... These boys were fasting, man. They wouldn't even eat what everybody else was eating, because it violated their law, their Levitical law. Look, so my point is, not everything that happens just from God. You know what I mean? Listen, the Holy Spirit fire will burn it out of you without you having to go through trials. Come on, listen, listen. Let me show you something. How do you know what love is? All right, y'all got all this right. Let me erase a minute. I'm erasing it in it, whatever that word is. I'm erasing it. <laughs> Check this out. So Holy Spirit wants all of your heart. Listen, how do you know what love is, man? The Bible says we love because He first loved. Us. I, I'm now gonna get into something. This is really what I wanted to talk about, and I knew I, I knew it would come around to this. We love because he first loved us. Listen, the Bible says in First Corinthians chapter 14 or uh, thirteen. Am I can you double check that? I think it might be second Corinthians. I think it is. It says uh, yeah, it's 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Love. No, no, no. no. First. first, first yeah, okay, it is first. First Corinthians chapter 13. Hey, read your Bible. 1813 <laughs> Love is patient. Okay, look, 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 at this, look at this. Love is patient. So there's some translation, there, there's some passage that says, and I can't remember what it is. I, y'all for please forgive me, okay? I know the word in my heart. Um, I don't I'm not a big Bible thumping memorizer, okay? I just read the word and I'll let the Holy Spirit work in me. So please forgive me for not quoting these scriptures. Google these things on your phone. If you're looking on Facebook, obviously you have internet. So Google what I'm saying and check everything I'm saying, okay? But so the scripture says that the trials produce patience. And so you know what people say to me? Listen, you know, you, you know, okay. They say the trials produce patience. You don't have to go through a trial to get patience. All you have to do is love. And I guarantee you this, if you choose to love, the devil will try you. And in that try, in that trial, your love will be tested. Why? Because he hates you. The devil hates you, and he doesn't want you to love. So he says, oh, you're going to pursue love. Why does he hate love so much? The Bible says, I think it's in one of the John letters, the the epistles of John. There's three of them. First, second, and third John. Again, do your own homework. That God is love. God is love. So why would he hate you in love? Because God is love. The Bible says, we love because he first loved us. So when we choose to start loving, then we start to look like God. And, God and, Jesus and the devil hates that. So he's going to give you ample opportunity to test your love by bringing trials your way. He's going to throw you into a fiery furnace. But listen, there's two fires. There's the fiery furnace of trial and persecution, okay? This is not from God. Then there's the fire of the burning bush. This is the Holy Spirit fire. listen, you will never survive this fire right here unless this fire is already there. You got to fight fire with fire. Have you ever watched this is so cool? Fight fire. with fire firemen do this all the time you got a big mass wildfire and it's getting away from everybody so what they do is they go set up an explosion okay whoo dunamis it's a Greek word for dynamite power it's another word for power dynamite comes from the word dunamis which is the word for power Okay, so when they explode this thing, what it does is it sucks up all the oxygen in the area, like, you know, and then it kills the fire. It's just like, it's just like blowing out a candle. Okay, so they'll set a fire to combat a fire. It's so cool. Fight fire with fire. And we're talking about a, a runaway fire. Runaway fires. Okay, so here's your fiery furnace. This is from the devil. The fiery burning bush is from God. This is the breath of heaven. This is when the Holy Spirit starts to deal with your heart and, to start, and starts burning out impurities. Listen, if we will study love, the Bible says that we will become more in the image of Christ. The image of God. As we grow in knowledge... Of Christ, I believe this is in 1st or 2nd Peter. Again, forgive me for not knowing my references. Please Google this stuff, please. We are made into the image of Christ. Don't go to your Bible app and look this up, because those little things don't know how to look up stuff. Use Google. You can Google everything I'm saying. It will pop up the verse, then you go look up the verse in your Bible, okay? Image of Christ. Grow in knowledge. Christ. When you grow in the knowledge of Christ, you, you, you start to become more of the image of God. Here, go over to 2nd Peter. It's in I believe it's first Peter. Yeah, let me get my other Bible. So I got this new Bible here and it's awesome, but I don't have nothing marked up. It's another reason why I can't memorize scripture, because I just mark it up. The Bible's, if you read the whole Bible, it's kind of hard to memorize the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, it's 1 Peter. Oh no, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. 2 Peter. Chapter 1 verse 3. Okay. It says, um, let's see here. Knowledge of Christ. Knowledge of Christ. I'm looking for. It. Well, I'm gonna be messing that up. All right, all right. I'm I'm missing it up. Okay, we're gonna have to Google this. I'll have to find it out. I'll put it on there. I'll I'll put it on the video or whatever when I get a chance. The image of Christ. We we. The more we study Him, the more we know Him. The more we understand love the more we'll become more like Him. We let His fire actually burn these impurities out of us and we become like Him. Watch this. Love is patient. You don't have to go through a trial to to become patient. However, patience is irrelevant without trial. (laughs) It's kind of like light being irrelevant without darkness. You don't turn the light on Unless there was darkness there. Listen, patience doesn't come from darkness. You hear me? People think, oh, the trials will produce patience. No, listen. No, no. The trials are the ground that the, that the patience is planted in. But the seed is called love, and love produces patience inside the trial, which is your ground, Okay? That's what it is. The ground is just a place where patience is demonstrated, okay? But trial does not produce patience in the fact that it comes like it just... That'd be like saying the ground turned into a plant. It's not true. The seed turned into a plant. Love is the seed. Patience is the fruit. It's what comes out of that seed. But the trial is just the cultivating place place where it is demonstrated. Alright, that leads me to my last point that I really want to talk about. This one. Jesus describes to us in Matthew 5 Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons of God Blessed are the peacemaker for they be called the sons of God. This morning I was I was writing to the Lord and I realized, you know, that we're called, man. We're called to go love the unlovable. Called to love the unlovable. Bible says that it. that he demonstrated his love toward us, that yet while we were still sinners. Some parts of the scripture says, "Enemies of God, Christ died for us. God's specialty. God's target." Audience is his enemy Hmm. His target audience is his enemy you know that firefighters die in fire they can die in a fire but they go right into the fire and they and their their target is the fire there are fire chasers. listen, the most powerful thing in the world is also, can, it can be the most beneficial thing. And, but when it's taken out of its context, it can be the most destructive thing. You know? Your experience with fire will tell me how you feel about it. If your house got burned down as a kid, and you saw the flames coming up, you may have a total fear of fire. And you may think, fire bad. Right? Or you may be homeless in New York, and you you come up to the fire in a burn barrel, and it's your only comfort. So the things that have the most power in our life can be the most life-giving or the most death-giving. See what I'm saying? People are the most powerful thing in the world and they can either be the most life giving or they can be the most life taking. So when you're taken out of context, when you're not fulfilling the will of God in your life, you are a very destructive force. But when you're in God's design for you, you are not a destructive force anymore. You are now a world changer and a life giver, and a light bringer. You are the salt of the earth. There can be love in a man's eyes, or there can be hate in a man's eyes. When we watch Jesus, and we watch the Holy Spirit, we listen to Him and we let Him guide us, He changes us on the inside. He gets rid of those impurities. Listen, God's target audience is His enemy. He wants to transform his enemy. When he came to Paul, he said, he knocked him off his horse and he said, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? Paul was God's enemy. He was Jesus' enemy. And Jesus came after him. We are supposed to be made into the image of God. We are supposed to be going after what God is going after. So how come we haven't in our mind that our enemies... Think about this. (laughs) The Bible says, love your enemies. Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute persecute you and so prove to be the sons of God. So prove to be my disciples. It's awesome. Listen. We're called to love our enemies. When somebody's doing you wrong, what are you required to do? Fight them? No, love them. We're called to love our enemies and to forgive them. Why? Because your heavenly Father forgave you. listen, you can never give what you don't have. So if you don't know how much you've forgiven, how can you possibly forgive others? Man, this is the heart right here, man. Holy Spirit wants your heart, all of it. And it's a daily repentance. See, See, if you don't realize it by now, when you walk with God, you repent daily. Because if you're submissive to God, if you're submissive to God, He will burn out of you the impurities. He will burn out of you the impurities. If we submit to Him, repenting daily. This right here, though, people have a hard time with this one. You know what people want? They want to see signs and wonders and people getting healed and stuff like that, but they don't want to forgive their brother. Man, you cannot operate in supernatural signs and wonders apart from walking in the forgiveness of God. The reason why is because the cross is what gave you favor with God in the first place to do signs and wonders. And if you start throwing away forgiveness, then you throw away the cross. Because the cross paid the price for all of your enemies. The cross paid the price for all of God's enemies. And so when we start throwing away the cross, when we start throwing away, oh, I don't want to forgive them, then what you're doing is you're trampling on the cross. You're actually throwing away your faith. You're throwing away the thing that makes your faith worth anything. Forgiveness. And mercy. There's no power in your life because you don't understand the true power. The power to forgive. <laughs> the power to restore. You want to go pray for somebody to get healed of cancer and be restored, but you can't, you can't forgive someone and restore them in your heart. It's a full gospel, not a part gospel. The gospel doesn't just save people from sickness; it also doesn't just save people from hell. It saves relationships. It saves marriages. It saves families. It saves enemies. I was in high school. i will tell the story, and I'll, I'll end it with this. You got all this? Like, yeah. I shared this story when I was in high school I had this friend of mine well he's not a friend he was not a friend at the time <clears throat> and for three years first of all let me tell you this I had a bully named Stephen Cooper when I was like three and four years old this kid would get on his bicycle and chase me with sticks we moved. This was in, this was in Italy. We, my dad was in the Navy, so we were in Italy. We moved to Mississippi. And there's this guy named Justin. And our, he started picking on me. Picked on all my life. But this guy, Justin, he started picking on me. And I remember telling him, I misspelled Mississippi. Justin came and started picking on me. I was oh, my dad, dad. We just moved away, we got right we, we just moved away. We left Stephen Cooper and now I'm here and there's Justin. And my dad said to me, Is that no matter where you go, you'll always have a bullet. You'll always have problems no matter where you go, and you're not responsible for what he does, but you are responsible for what you do. So my dad told me, There's, "Here's the advice." Now I, I've grown in wisdom since then, but this was the only advice I had. Uh, ignore him, right? Well, you know what? That comes from that comes from Jesus saying, "When somebody slaps you on the right on the cheek, turn to him the other." right that's ignoring or but that's not really ignoring is it if you get struck in the face and then you just don't do nothing about it that's ignoring but when you turn the other cheek that's not ignoring that's embracing this is different but people think oh it's ignoring no you're you're, you're giving listen when you give them the other cheek that's a gift It's kinda of weird, right? Ignore them, or punch them in the nose. Punch them in the nose, right? Man, I, I, that, those are my two options. Either you ignore them, you punch them in the nose. Which my dad never taught me, taught me to fight. He just told me, you know. And what this is, it becomes this, watch this, this becomes almost a cowardly move However, um, in some people's eyes, that's being a bigger man, right? You just take the beating, right? And Jesus took the beating, okay? So that is the bigger man, but, but, but you don't understand. When you give the other cheek, not only are you taking the beating, you're also telling them, it's okay, I'm not even going to hold this against you. You're actually in the process of giving them mercy. You're giving them what the Father gave you. All right. The other option was punch or, or retaliate. Another way of saying retaliate, right? So you could say with words, you know, so that, those are my three options. Ignore them, punch them, or retaliate with words, right? But the problem was, I just wasn't malicious in heart. So when people picked on me, I really couldn't think of anything mean to say unless I was going to be really mean, like just awful. You know what I mean? Well, I didn't want to hurt anybody really. So I never really could come up with something uh, that was smart enough or fast enough. Uh, I just never was like that. You know, it wasn't in me really. I was I was learning about Jesus and I love and so it was hard for me to be mean. You know what I mean? Because I was studying Jesus all the time. Right? Well... This happened all my life. I got picked on all my life. Then finally, I get in high school, and I'm really serving God, you know, and I'm really wanting to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, so, check this out. I'm praying, and I said, God, um, what do I need to do about this guy? And I started praying for him because I didn't know what to do. And I was like, Lord, please change this guy. This guy was my enemy. His name. At the time, he was my enemy. He may watch this video. How you doing, Josh? This guy's name was Josh Lemley. Dude, this guy, we we didn't like each other. I had pictures in my head of beating his face in the ground. Like, like we weren't cool. Like he was always. We were we were very competitive. He played bass trombone. I played tenor trombone. And you know, uh, anyway, we just. We, we argued and argued and we always competed against uh, our levels of ability and you know at the time I didn't really think he sounded very good and he probably didn't think I sounded very good you know and anyway dude, we get into uh, high school there for three years man he's my arch enemy and I tried to ignore him he'd be mean And I started trying to be retaliated and say something back to him. He'd just be meaner. And then eventually I was trying to say, hey, look, I'd rather be his friend. And then people would talk about him behind his back. And I wouldn't feed into it because I knew it was just going to get back to him. Right? Because these people were two-faced. And so I was just like, look, I I would rather be his friend. I I don't want to be enemies with with Josh. You know? But I didn't have wisdom. I wasn't fixing a problem. And I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, what do I do? The Holy Spirit convicted me because I kept praying for him. God, please make him change. Lord, please change his heart. Oh, God, please. Now we just beg God to change this guy. And as I prayed for him, my heart started changing. Instead of him changing, I was changing. And then I started finding out things about him, you know, and I started having compassion for him. You know, found out, you know, he didn't really feel like his mom even loved him, you know, and broke my heart, you know, uh, I might have found that out later, but the point is that last year, the Lord told me, I want you to love him. Don't ignore him. Don't punch him in the nose. And don't talk back to him. Love him. Because that's what Jesus says. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love him. And dude, I had murder in my heart, and I didn't even know it at the time. I didn't know that me punching somebody in the face in my dreams was murder. That's murder, man. Yeah? I had all kinds of stuff, because I didn't know the truth. You want to know how to get rid of sin in your life? You start loving somebody. So that first day, he comes back, man. And of course, in my head, I'm thinking, man, I don't know how I can even be nice to this guy. And there's nothing nice to say to him, you know? Nothing nice to say to him. So finally, he comes in. He's got this new trombone. And I'm like, OK, you know what? I can, I can compliment him on the side. You know, I can turn this into a compliment, and I don't have to compromise truth, because I don't think he's nice at all. I don't think he's a good guy. I don't like him, but you know, what, God, you told me to love him. <laughs> love him. All right, so check this out, dude. He gets his trombone. I said, Hey, I heard you got a new trombone. He He's yeah, yeah. So can I see? It? So show me. And I just said, Man, that's awesome. And of course, in my head, I don't think he sounds very good, right? So I said, hey, let me hear you on this drum And I'm scraping. I'm telling you, I'm scraping for some compliments. Because I don't like this guy at all. It's killing me on the inside, really, to do this. But the Lord told me to do it. Why? Because he loved me. Even when I was his enemy. And love conquers everything. Love never fails. Love covers a multitude of sins. And without love, you can't have a relationship. So I go to this guy and I start telling him, hey, let me hear you play. So he played on the trombone. I said, truthfully, it was the truth. I said, you sound better on that trombone. Now in my head, I don't think he sounds very good still, but he does sound better on that trombone. So I'm scraping for these compliments, you know what I mean? Trying to love this guy. And dude, after that, stuff started changing, man, because every day I would figure out a, a, a way to tell him truth but compliment him and tell him something nice. And every time I talked to him, I would turn it around. Let's say that, for instance, he wanted to play the first trombone part because he was a section leader of the bass trombones, right? So instead of telling him, man, you know, you're a bass trombone player, you shouldn't be playing the first trombone. I, sp- I spoke to his strengths and I said, hey man, uh, you're really awesome at playing the low parts, man. And I really need strong people playing the third parts. And you know what I did? I took from my section as almost like a gift peace offering. I said, here, why don't you take my third trombone players, playing the third part? Will you please train them on how you play the third part? I need you to lead these people. And I just handed them three people to train. Okay? Dude, what that did for him was I'm trusting him with my people. So I'm saying and anyway Over the course of the whole year, man, we just became friends because I didn't ignore him. I didn't punch him. I didn't retaliate him and I didn't talk about him behind his back. I would just go straight to him and love on him. And then all of a sudden, there was actually good things to say. Because we started having a relationship and he wasn't being mean to me anymore. And he apologized to me. We sit down at the table. He goes, man, I've been a real jerk to you. I'm sorry. And dude, we just grew together and got closer. And eventually, he's like, man, I have, a, I have a graduation party. I want you to come to my graduation party. If you don't come, I'll be mad. So I took, dude, our relationship totally ra- tra- radically transformed. Now we're friends. Okay? It's pretty cool. I took that principle to every job I ever had. Anytime I ever had a problem with somebody, i just loved on them. And it transformed all of my relationships. I never have anybody who doesn't like me. Because they won't like me for one reason. Because I exemplify Christ, and then all of a sudden they'll start experiencing the love of Jesus, and they don't know what to do with it. You know why people can't hurt somebody who loves them? Because nobody loves them. You start loving on somebody and they've never been given love before. <clears throat> Sorry, something come up on the screen. If you start loving somebody and they've never been loved before... They don't know what to do with that. So they just started loving you back, man. They don't want to lose a good thing. This is good stuff. This will transform your whole life. If you can do this with every person you have a problem with, it will transform all your relationships. That's what Jesus did for us, man. He loved us while we were still his enemies. So I remember going down to Hastings, and we had this lady, his manager. Her name was Liz, or Elizabeth. We had Liz and Elizabeth. There's Elizabeth, okay? And she was a manager, man, and she was mean. In fact, most of the people over there were mean when you first got there. But this lady was mean. And she would just rag on me all the time, man. Just make me feel this small, you know? And she'd be like, I need you to do this, da da da. And she'd just, da, da 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 I mean, she'd come up behind me while I'm count counting money when I first started. Man, you're taking forever. You're so slow. I mean, and then she'd be looking over my shoulder and made me so nervous. I'm like shaking while I'm coming at the point. You know? So finally, I just, I said, Lord, I remember what I did with Josh. I'm going to do the same thing with her. So I'd come in here every day, like a couple minutes early. I'd show up, and the first thing out of my mouth, hey, Elizabeth, how are you doing today? You have a good day? Man, I'm so glad to see you. And I would go to my register, and I'd clock in, and I'd get everything ready, dude. And the constant pounding of that love on her heart transformed our relationship. And she couldn't be mean to me without laughing. And, and I would just, I, I started realizing, man, she doesn't know how to love. Nobody has ever loved her like this. All she knows is how to be. Maybe something's happened in the home. Maybe her whole life she's just. Right? So check this out dude, one day she's like Zach, uh, uh, I just want you to put the movies up, I want you to do this, that, and then I'm going to go to lunch, I'll be back. So I said, okay Elizabeth, I said, when you come back from lunch, come back in a better mood. <laughs> she starts, everybody at the store is like this, because <laughs> they all know what she's like, and, and they, they would never talk to her like that because she's mean. You know and so they're all looking at me like this I can't believe you just said that to her you know and Elizabeth looks at me and she starts laughing <laughs> it's like you know? and, it, and if I hadn't had that time with her where every day I come in there hey Elizabeth, how you doing today uh, I'm so glad to see you man and I would start giving her hugs. I love you Elizabeth I'm so man I'm so glad you're part of my team I'm with you and dude like she was a totally different person with me. She would be a little bit of, a, you know what, here and there. But she would just, but she couldn't ever hold a straight face with me. Because she knew that I loved her. You know what I'm saying? People don't want to ruin a good thing. So we have to love, and love, and love, love, love. And if you will just love somebody, it doesn't matter how mean they are, if you'll just keep on loving them, love never fails. Love never fails. And they'll always turn around. It's good stuff. All right. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. We can learn how to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We thank you, Father, for all of our enemies in the Middle East that they'll come to know Jesus and be as radical for the Lord as they are for the devil. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.